Whoa, sweet man cave. Thanks. Serious upgrade. How'd you pay for all this? I got a home equity line of credit from Figure. I was approved in five minutes and had funding in five days. Wow, that fast and easy? Yep. The application is 100% online, plus no out-of-pocket costs. Just fast access to the cash you need. How do I get started? Go to figure.com and get that serious upgrade. Figure Lending LLC, DBA Figure, Equal Opportunity Lender, NMLS 1717824. Terms and conditions apply. Visit figure.com for more information. For licensing information, go to www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org. You are listening to the 23 Personnel Podcast, where food and sports clash at the goal line. Here are your hosts, Spencer and Michael. All right, what is up, everybody? Welcome into another episode of the 23 Personnel Podcast. I'm your host, Spencer, joined by Michael. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Sweet 16 Week here on 23 Personnel. Sweet 16. How sweet it is. Yeah. I'm, uh, I'm, I can't believe it's here. I can't believe we get to say that again. Yeah. It's, it's been such a, I don't know. We're getting spoiled. We're getting spoiled. But yeah. Cause raise your hand. If you said text tech was going to be in the sweet 16, April 1st of last year. Wasn't me. I don't think it was me either. I do think I, I hope that they would make it to that, that they would make it to the second weekend. But I don't think I, I think that was going to be like my, wow, we really did something special. And now, of course, you know, like always, now that you're here, you're thinking, oh, but we could do something really special. Yeah. It's never the, enough. It's never enough, is it, Spencer? Like the, back in April, if someone said, hey, you're going to make the Sweet 16 and then that's it for you, you're, you would take it. You'd go, yeah, that's great. But now you're in it and you're going, hmm, mm, I want more. I need more. Yeah, I mean. The, the daunting thing is look like you're, you're two games in, right? In the tournament, uh, you've got four games to go. So yeah, that's how we're looking at it. This isn't, <laughs> if you're going to do anything with it. You got four to go. This isn't mission accomplished people. We're just, we're just getting started. Yeah. Hopefully. So we'll definitely talk about basketball this week. Um, looking back to this past weekend, we did not do any instant reactions. Michael was out of town. It was a weird game on Sunday. I was out of, I was not at home when the game ended and it would have taken too long to get to it. Anyways, we've got a game Thursday. It'll be late. I'm if Michael's available, which I'm sure he will be, or we'll just, just roll without him. I don't know. Win or lose. I'm going to commit to being on a post game show, doing a post game show because I one, if you available, yes, if you win, you're on to elite eight. If you lose, it's end of the season. Either way, I think, as much as we can try to avoid it, I don't know if we can, if we can help it. We can avoid Sunday games. We we should be we should be here and around on Colorcast, Michael. Yeah. If you didn't know, if you're not if you're catching this the recording of the show, we do our podcasts live Tuesday nights at nine. Unless we say otherwise, but we do that over on Colorcast, which is a live audio only sports talk platform free to download and use, talk to us, other fans, athletes, and insiders in real time. Perfect for watch parties, debates, post-game breakdowns, and reacting to breaking news. We are here, like I said, regular episodes, Tuesday night at 9. And if we, um, we'll go live after, uh, after games for instant reaction. So all you need to do is download the ColorCast app for free in the iOS app store. It is coming to Google. 
soon. Create a profile, link your Twitter, join us, follow me or us at 23 personnel to be notified when we go live. Come with your spiciest takes. Yeah, and if, if you've had a little too much spice, you know what you might need? You might need to uh, improve your vitamin health. As we've always talked about, not always, but it's only happened recently. I'm getting closer to 40. And it's just one of those things that you start thinking about, you know, maybe you need some vitamins, maybe you need something to, to help you get going. Well, Athletic Greens has got you covered. It's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition, especially during cold and flu season and tornado season. It's just one scoop and a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a one-year one supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash sports drink. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash sports drink and take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. All right, Michael, you ready to jump into basketball? We got so much to talk about. Yeah, let's tip it off. Let's do it. Here comes Stevenson. Spins. Over the top, McCormick in a crowd strip by Owens. Already on the run, bounce pass. Here's Culver. Evans, yes. Game over. Mooney with a crossover and the line. Owens. Now the shot clock is at three. Mooney spins, fires. Oh, he got it to go. Edwards with a three. Good. What a shot, Kyler Edwards. Ready, double into three. Good. I can't wait for more Jim Nance highlights. That's exactly where I was going. I'm, I enjoy Jim Nance a lot. I have nothing against him, but people, y'all know my love for Kevin Harlan. So I'm, I'm a little bit hurt that we didn't get Kevin Harlan this weekend, but it's not like, <laughs> it's not like, uh, getting Jim Nance on Thursday is, uh, is bad no. by any means. So yeah, I'm looking forward to new highlights. I was thinking of that too, but, uh, you know, we'll get into this some more, but I wasn't able to sit in front of a TV for the first game. And I, I'm thinking a lot of you were not super impressed with former Spur, my beloved Avery Johnson. Um, <laughs> He's also a Maverick. Okay. <laughs> well, that's true. And he coached. Did, did he coach? He coached. Yeah, he Dallas coached too. the Mavericks. That's true. But he never played for him. No, no, no. no I, I'm saying he coached for the Mavericks. Uh, that's true. Yeah. He played for the Spurs, coached for the Mavericks, coached for Alabama. Oh um, yeah, roll Todd. Who I I'm guessing that we're 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 okay with missing Alabama in the tournament. Notre Dame knocked him off, uh, so we got to take on Notre Dame, Ooh. which was 
as frightening as I thought it would be, it got worse when the offense decided it was going to stop scoring points. As, as it's known to do. <laughs> at, you know, the last three minutes of the game. Yeah. Um, first, first game, uh, Friday afternoon, took on Montana State. Um, I would say the surprise there is that your offense put up so much. Oh my gosh. You scored 97 points, most points in a game so far this year in the tournament. There were a couple games that were close, but they also yep, they also went to overtime. You did this in regulation. You beat Montana State by 35. That is one of the largest, if not the largest, margin of victories this year. Uh, it won't get any bigger <laughs> going forward through Sweet 16 and beyond. Um, you dispatched the Bobcats. Um and it was wire to wire, man. You jumped out. I was expecting it to be closer early, uh, as, as some of these games can be. You get a mid-major team. They, they're they punching up a little bit. Um, but it, And you just kind of feel like you, you wear them down over time. That didn't happen with Montana State. I don't know what it was. Besides, you came in juiced. You shot incredibly well. I think you put up 52 points in the first half. Um, I don't have the stat sheets pulled up right in front of me, but you kept no, that up no, into the second yeah, you're half. You're right. It's 52. Because you scored 45 in the second half. Yeah, so. and, and during that stretch, it, I got to listen to this through the beauty of satellite radio because I was driving to the Hill Country and I saw, um, well, the, I, I don't know who was on Westwood One call. I don't know who they were, but the color guy, just about all he said was all he kept saying was, well, Texas tech is a volume three point shooter, but nope. this is not normal. Well, no, they, I mean, tech does shoot a lot of threes. They just don't go in. That was his point. Oh, okay. <laughs> he was like, this is, yeah, they, 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 they shoot a lot, but they're usually not this successful. And he kept saying, he said that like 10 different ways. It was like the most backhanded compliment thing. But the whole time I was thinking, I, I was saying out loud to myself in a car to no one like, yeah, yeah, this is weird. This is odd. I can't believe they're still doing it. I hope that uh, I hope that they saved some shots for Sunday, and and they barely did. But say just uh, enough. <laughs> yeah, there were at least. Um, and this is where I started. And I don't know if this is if this, if I actually said it or not. But I know there were at least four times that Tech went on at least a seven and zero run maybe it may have been higher than that because they were keeping up with it on that broadcast. So I don't, there were at least four stretches where tech went seven and Oh, yeah, just random spots throughout the game. And it was just a complete annihilation. And like you said, I think we were both, um, I, I, I think I said something about like Montana state's going to hit a buzzsaw with this defense. And I, I think that was just a kind of like what we figured probably still a little bit more vicious, but the offense, I had no idea that the offense was also going to have a complete field day and to make this just completely one-sided from the word go. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I think defensively, um, and, and and maybe it has to do with the game just not being close, I would, wouldn't have expected Montana State to score 62. Going into the game, I'm thinking if they score 62, it's going to be closer than a 35-point game. Um, you Your offense, though, you had six guys score double figures, uh, Agbo was closest to being your seventh. He had eight points in six minutes. He hit all three of his shots, uh, very nearly became the seventh red Raider in 
double figures. TJ Shannon had 20 points. Bryson Williams joined him with 20. Adonis Arms, 15. And then Kevin O'Banner, Kevin McCuller, Davion Warren each put in 10. O'Banner hit or grabbed 11 boards for his fourth double-double. Shocker. Not shocker. Spoiler. Spoiler. That's the last <laughs> word. He gets another double-double in the game against Notre Dame for his fifth. He's played five NCAA tournament games, Michael, and in all five has recorded a double-double. This time on Sunday, O'Banner had... Let's scroll down really quickly. It was quickly. like 15 rebounds, wasn't it? 15 points, 15 rebounds. 15 Oof. and 15. You need every single one of those rebounds. You had 42 rebounds on the game uh, to Notre Dame's 36. You only had three guys in double figures. Granted, that's you know a little bit of a what happens when you only put up 59 points in the game. Um, O'Banner had 15. McCuller had 14. Bryson Williams had 14. Good for his uh, his average to keep that up there. Nobody came close to double figures in rebounds outside of O'Banner. So it was a team effort there on the glass. But my goodness, this game would not have been what it was without Marcus Santos Silva. Yeah, 17 minutes, four points, five rebounds. The th- the turning point in the game was, you know, I, I don't know how long it's been happening because um, he's a left-handed shooter. Going back and forth, I've seen him shoot free throws left-handed. I've seen him shoot free throws right-handed. There at the end of the game, game is close. We need, we need points. The offense struggling in a sense that like you were getting, getting the ball down low, you got it under the basket. You were missing everything under the basket. It was wild. Had no idea what was happening, but you were, you were getting fouls. At least your final, what was it? 10 points. Eight of them came from free throws. Well, Marcus Santos Silva, MSS hit two huge ones, right-handed. So on his offhand, and then a possession or two later sealed the game. Notre Dame had a player, driving and he blocked it. You almost thought that he, the, the driver had him. Yeah. He he got around him and you're like, Oh man, here we go. But you know, coming from the side and as he was passing MSS dude just reaches up and squats the ball out of his hand to help secure the game there. And then icing on the cake before we got to see the surrender Cobras and the crowd, there was a rebound. TJ Shannon controlled it, lobbed it, up court to Kevin McCullough for the dunk. The only points in the final three or four minutes of the game that weren't free throws for Texas Tech to finally get away with that one. Um, Notre Dame, true to form, played seven guys. And I thought, you know, as as emotional as, as that could have been uh, in this run, seven players against a Texas Tech defense was going to wear down. And that's mm-hmm. not what happened. Um, their offense was the schedule they had. Yeah. This was their, what fourth game in a week or three, it was three games in five days or something. Yeah. You just kept thinking after that crazy overtime win against Rutgers and then how they showed up at four o'clock the next day in California for the game, uh, to play Alabama. And so they weren't even in California for like, 12 hours or 24 hours before they played Alabama. I mean, it just the whole time you keep thinking, man, these guys are just, 
at some point they're just going to give out and um, no, they never did. <laughs> I mean, not, they never did. I mean, 53 points is, is low for them. Yeah. Um, but also they, it didn't feel like they had worn out and that the game just got away from them because they had tired legs playing a, a short rotation on short rest. Um, it really came down to Texas tech being able to stay aggressive, even when the shots weren't falling to get to the free throw line and try to put up points that way. Um, Notre Dame, I think luckily <laughs> for Texas tech, they were nine of 28 from three, only 32%. We all thought, and this is going to be the same for any team going ahead. If they can hit their three point shots, they're going to be problem. It's, it's going to be a problem. Mm-hmm. Um, you contained them in a sense that they only, you know, only hit nine, only nine, but it was for 32%. They shot 30, almost 33% on the night and then only attempted 15 free throws. They were a perfect six of six in the first half, four of nine in the second half, huge jump there backwards uh, to finish at 67%. Which means, Michael, 2-0 in the tournament means you were in the sweet 16. My goodness. I'm just soaking it in. I'm sorry. I was No, you're good. I didn't have anything to add. It's it's just it's just a good feeling. It was not it was not a good feeling getting there the last five or ten minutes of that game. No, uh, until, I didn't. until tech started kind of showing some life in the last three minutes. Because it was like you said, it was bizarre the the amount of layups that were that were missed and I mean, credit to, you know, Notre Dame. They always had, they were contested. I don't think Tech was getting hammered or fouled or anything mm-hmm. on, on those layups. They were just missing them. And it was just so frustrating. I can't imagine how the players felt knowing that they're, you know, their heads even with the rim and they're laying it up there and it's just flying to the other side of the of the uh, backboard for whatever reason. But like you said, credit to them for, you know, kind of shaking that off, continuing to drive, continuing to try to get to the basket and, uh, you know, eventually get to the line mm-hmm. and put it away. Uh, but it was, it was close. It was very close. Um, you know, a lot of things had to go just right towards the end, but I, I'm feeling a little bit rejuvenated after that. I'm, I'm a couple nights removed from it. New opponent. I know that they're going to be, um, you know, they're going to be ready for Duke. You know, we'll obviously talk about them a little bit more, but one thing I wanted to mention is, uh, you know, they weren't in California last weekend. And so they're going to have to fly across the country to California. And I am just going to chalk that up as a, an advantage to tech, even though mm-hmm. there's, there's nothing, there's nothing <laughs> saying that, that that's an advantage, but well, tech's already tech. They did that and they, they're halfway there. So yeah, that's better. But you know, the miracle of flight kind of nixes a lot of that. So I'm, I have nothing backing me up there aside from just a feeling it didn't help for Notre Dame. It made them <laughs> yeah. tougher. I think it's, I mean, if they would have shown up like three hours before the game started, they would have played just as hard. And, and, and maybe if, if Texas tech had played Notre Dame in their first game at, you know, the first game of the day at 10 o'clock or 11 o'clock in the morning, maybe yeah. But this game against Duke, which we'll get to is going to be the last game on Thursday night. It's going to be the late game. Um, because I, and I rightfully so I, I, I don't fault the TV networks for wanting to focus and tell, uh, 
Coach K story because if this is his last game, if Texas Tech is victorious on Thursday, this is going to be his last game. And that's that's a big storyline. Um, yeah, we'll be in every 30 for 30 about <laughs> Coach Krzyzewski for the forever. I, mean, yeah. I just love that. <laughs> so before we get on to that and look at the rest of the, the bracket, the rest of our, our region, uh, just an update on the stats and all that kind of stuff, which is helpful as we as we look to project and and uh, preview games going ahead. Ken Paul moved you up to sixth overall, uh, up from ninth, which is huge. Um, you know, at, at this this late in the season, um, because th- there's even a game there's a, there's a team ahead of you in the Ken Palm rankings that is no longer in the tournament. So you were the fifth best team left, according to Ken Palm. Um, and we know how these, these games go, this tournament goes, you could, you could beat anybody. Um, so you're, you're up from up to sixth adjusted offense jumped up to 46th up from 64th, your opponent's defense up to 10th. So 46th offense facing the 10th best defense, adjusted defense still up there at number one opponents offense moved up from 35 to 32nd Haslametrics. Also moved you up. You're now fourth in the Haslametric rankings, up from tenth. Um, again, if the page will load, I don't know if Baylor's still ahead of you. They are. So you're the third best team left in the tournament, according to Eric Haslam, uh, who has Baylor at three and you at four. Offensive efficiency up to 24th. Defense still at number one. Speaking of... Well, let, let's start with with the with the rest with the West bracket, Michael West Regional or whatever you want to call it. Um, this is the only bracket left with the top four teams: one, two, three, and four. Everybody else had some kind of upsets. Um, I guess South is closest: one, yeah. two, five, yeah. eleven. Although the East has three, four, eight, but the fifteen is the outlier there with St. Pete's. Uh, Midwest one, four, ten, eleven. Iowa State still hanging around. Yes, Iowa I mean, State still hanging around. That's which is incredible to me. <laughs> saying hanging around, I, I don't mean it in a negative light because no. of the they way they handled Wisconsin. <laughs> they did, and it was it was so strange. Like the roller coaster that they they've gone on. Right, they started you know around the top ten, at least top fifteen in the rankings this season. Beginning of Big Twelve play, um, I got hammered. Like. They that they beat Texas Tech early on, um, in in that first conference game, with a reduced roster all the way around, um, and yeah, then kind of struggled more to, staff than players. Well, that that's that's always going to be true. Did you Actually, see the team photo? True. Yeah, I did. <laughs> <laughs> like fifty they people. Panoramic. In it. They had yeah. to go panoramic for that. Yeah. Um, and the, they kind of limped into the tournament with you know the way that that Texas Tech beat them in the Big Twelve tournament. Uh, and their final two regular season games, they had lost and they hadn't been beaten badly. But they get to the tournament, completely new environment, right? And they're 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 up there. Um, unfortunately for them, I'm not like I mean, I'm salty for them. I'm not like too broken up about it. But their head coach uh, T J Otzelberger, I'm, I'm I'm butchering that. I just call him Ots. Is it Ots or Oats? I don't know. I call him Ots. Is not in the the finalists for Coach of the Year, Naismith Coach of the Year. Um, Although probably should be. He took a team that won two games last year. Two games, 20 plus games 
swing and they're in the sweet 16 and he got left off for somebody that's already out of the tournament. Uh, and, and somebody else, that same guy that's out of the tournament has performed this basically the same number of wins in the past, like six or seven years. Um, so Iowa state in the sweet 16, Kansas is still in the sweet 16 or is still in the tournament. Uh, Baylor got knocked out by North Carolina. I don't know if you was able, if you were able to watch into that game, Michael, they were the, the end of it. Yeah. They were up 25 with 10 minutes to go. Yeah. I quit paying attention to it. And then the next thing I knew I turned on the TV and it was in overtime. Like, what? So I, I watched basically from the 10 minute mark on uh, until they got to overtime and very much felt like North Carolina was like, okay, we're here. They, they did have that Brady manic ejection, uh, which is the name that should be familiar as he transferred over from Oklahoma. Um, I didn't see the ejection. I didn't see the foul. Apparently it was a fairly weak call. It, well, but it, it, it he elbowed it, him in the face. I mean, sure. It, it, it was, it was a foul. I don't know if it was ejection worthy again. I, I didn't see all of it. I didn't. Yeah, I, it was, it was a replay by the time I saw it. So I didn't see it like in the context of the game. Yeah. Um, and then it felt like, like I said, North Carolina was trying not to lose. Like they were coasting. Like we, we've got this. Let's not, and Baylor was fighting like mad, dude. They got it down. Obviously, they tied the game. Um, and it felt very much like once things started to go against North Carolina, they got more and more tense. Um, interestingly, like Baylor pressured every inbounds pass, mm-hmm. and North Carolina could not get the ball in. It was a clown show. Anytime Baylor made a basket, North Carolina almost just couldn't get the ball back in. They, they turned it over so many times, which turned into a lot of points. That certainly helped Baylor catch up so much is that they just couldn't inbound the ball. Anyways, ends up going to overtime. North Carolina eventually pulls it out. TCU loses to Arizona. Um, so that's your, your six down to three, I believe. Is it Three. Yes. Yeah, because Texas lost. To Texas Purdue. lost. Oh, how yeah. could I forget? Yeah, they about, were the other ones. About Matt Painter getting some revenge on good old Chris Beard, um, which I, I had a good time with. I, I I tweeted just once about it, Michael, but I, I really enjoyed it. There was a a Texas beat writer talking about spring football. I was like, what? <laughs> Who's talking about football? There's basketball left. <laughs> Um, which I mean, okay. Not for everyone, Spencer. I mean, let's be fair. Texas tech did have their first spring practice today. Like that was a thing that happened. Are we talking about it? No, no sir. I have no idea what happened. Nope. I, I saw some photos that Pete Christie posted that looked like they were taken from someone's 1997 flip phone. Who's probably up, you know, in the Overton where the people were compl- not complaining. They were, uh, anyways, no, that's fine. <laughs> Okay, so your bracket, only one with one, two, three, four left, Gonzaga, Duke, Texas Tech, Arkansas. Man, um, it would not surprise me to see any of these teams, and it has nothing to do with them being one, two, three, four, just knowing what they've done, who they are, and how they've done, or how they play. would not surprise me to any one of these teams to get through to the Final Four. Um, Gonzaga will take on Arkansas. Texas Tech obviously taking on Duke. Thursday, the 24th, 8.30 on CBS over there in San Francisco, playing where the Warriors 
played. Duke is 30 and 6 overall in the season, 16 and 4 in ACC, 15 and 3 at home, 6 and 1 on neutral courts. They were the ACC champs and the tournament ACC tournament runner up. And then I found this today on Twitter. Shouldn't really be a surprise with the way that Coach K and Calipari and uh, Self and how all these blue blood teams really recruit and build teams. They are really young, Michael. Their average age across their starting five is only 19. Whereas the age for Texas Tech, 22. Yes. And, and a, a, a good chunk of that starting five is Paolo Bancaro, who I, who mm. I looked up because this is how I, I have my head in the sand, guys. I'm a Texas Tech fan. And so I will watch some Big 12 basketball when Tech's not playing just to kind of see the other teams and see how they're doing. But I'm I'm not tuning into Duke basketball or UNC or any of that stuff. So this is my first real introduction to the kid. And yeah, he's a freshman, five-star freshman. So no surprise there. Did you know that he was ranked number two in the entire country coming out of high school? No. 0.9994 rating on 24-7. And, and he lives up to it. So, yeah, that age is young. Um, but, you know, this, this guy, 6'10", 250-pound freshman from Seattle, is um, really an incredible player to watch. Yeah, so their, their first two games of the, the tournament so far have been against Cal State Fullerton, where Duke won 78-61. And then the game on Sunday to, to advance to the Sweet 16 was against Michigan State, 85-76. There's some drama in that game, Michael, where Duke lost one of their really good players, A.J. Griffin, mm. with about, what, eight minutes left to go. Another um, freshman. Really good freshman, is a forward. Um, he's considered their best three-point shooter on the team. He's shot 45%, which is just ridiculous. Not having seen a minute of Michigan State or Duke basketball until prep started for this episode. No idea whether or not these were up, up-tempo up teams or not. Watching the extended highlights of this game, I was worn out. <laughs> they were flying. Like, especially Michigan State. After a Duke make, they inbounded the ball and they were running. Yeah. Um. So, I want to point that out because we've seen... Um, who did that? Was that... Uh, that was TCU that did that against Texas tech. Um, and not that it wears down. I wouldn't say it wore down Texas tech, but what it really did is it kept the defense from really getting set. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know how much Duke would, would, would pressure or, you know, how much, um, you know, a, a, the, the fake three quarter court pressure that Mark Adams likes to call to slow people down, how much that would actually help if Duke wants to start running. Um, but they were they were flying. Now, uh, in terms of their their season stats, they're only 167th in tempo, so they're not like it doesn't seem like it's a trend. This is what they do all year uh, to compare Texas Tech is 215, and you know we don't move very fast. We're not a fast break team, um, so they they certainly at least against Michigan State, whether Michigan State was pushing the tempo they, or both teams were, they were running and they kept up with it, obviously. Uh, they were able to bounce back from losing AJ Griffin. You know, Michigan State made it real close, made it a game, ended up pulling it out by nine there at the end, 85 76. Um, they've got, well, here, let's, 
let's look at their offense here just or their 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 roster in just a second. Ken Palm has them as the fourth best offense. Ooh. 43rd best defense. So getting up there with the offense, this is going to be pretty similar to when you played Gonzaga or Kansas or Baylor. All three of those offenses you faced, I think they're one, two, three, right around where Duke is, which means they're scary. Watching them mm-hmm. play, they are elite at getting to the basket. That's what they want to do. That's what they did almost at will against Michigan State. Yes, they can hit jump shots. They can hit threes. Um, I looked it up, or you know, looked up over oh, has the metrics. Who has them at also the fourth best offense? They are 266 in the country and three point attempts uh, per hundred possessions. They hit 36 percent, which is good, not great. Um, they are 144th, 184th in the country in mid range attempts, and they hit 42 percent. And they are 11th in the country in near proximity attempts. So I wanted to talk about the near proximity. This is in the lane, under the basket type shots. Okay. And they, they hit 67% of those. Which makes sense because Mark Williams, their 7-1 center, he's 71% on the year yeah. on field goals. And I'm sure, you know, just by watching what I was able to before we started recording, a lot of those are dunks. But, man, the guy has a great touch, too. I mean, mm-hmm. he has a nice fadeaway. He's just got a, a baseline jumper. Uh, I mean, he's, he's not – only a dunking machine, but man, he can do that. I mean, he, he can, he can sky. He's, he's, uh, I mean, he's seven one, but he's two forty two, So he's not, I mean, he's, he's enough to push around, but he's light enough that he can truly elevate. Um, but, but yeah, so I, I have a feeling that at 67%, uh, Mark Williams is responsible for a lot of that. Yeah. So they're, they're starting five, or, you know, with, with, depending on who you count as their starting five, or you, you look at their top six scores, average a double, du- not, not a double, du- they average double figures in scoring or very nearly. Um, and the, the guys I'm talking about are obviously Ben Caro, uh, forward Wendell Moore, guard Trevor Keels, uh, Mark Williams, the forward AJ Griffin we talked about. It's kind of a, more of on the, on the small side to be a forward, kind of a big guard. At six six two twenty, and then Jeremy Roach is the only man on that list that doesn't average ten points, but he averages like nine point eight. Yeah, and he's he's six two, and he's super quick. Yes, the guy can just—he will be from the logo to the basket before you know it, and he's he's really able to contort his body in a way that where he's not going to get a charge. Probably, he's going to be able to to work around people trying to take charges on him. He's going to be able to find an open guy, but then again, he's going to be able to score on like seven foot people. I mean, I, I was really impressed with watching him play and just the quickness that he has. He kind of, cause it's always a Spurs reference for me. It kind of reminded me of Tony Parker a little bit, the way that he was able to just go from just standing there dribbling to, Hey, he's already running back the other way after scoring a layup. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, Paulo Bencaro leads the team in scoring at 17 points per game. Also leads him in rebounds at just under eight. They've got two true big men. Because um, Bencaro is 6'10", so very nearly seven feet and doing all this. Uh, then the center, Mark Williams, that Michael talked about, he's averaging just over 11 points per game, seven and a half rebounds, 71% field goal percentage, three blocks per game. Um, on the flip side... 
in terms of, of Texas Tech scoring, we have three guys that average 10 points or more compared to, you know, Duke that has five, but McCuller is averaging 9.9 and Davion Warren 9.7. So very close to also having five guys uh, averaging double figures, but nobody as high as Ben Carroll who's averaging 17. Um, okay, so I want to go back and talk about the Duke offense and what they like to do. They like to just drive and get the ball downhill, get under the basket, get, get easy points, easy shots off. Um, so this is like, I'm thinking like the scary part of facing Duke because they are so good at getting the basket, but it's one of those, the strength of their offense is going up against the strength of our defense. Who's going to prevail, right? Duke mm-hmm. wants to get to the ball to the basket. Texas tech does not allow guys to get to the basket. And when they do crazy things happen, whereas like, they, well, I'll get to that in a second. Um, th- this little nugget from Haslametrics and their curious trends part on Duke. Um, it says Duke does worse versus clubs that fail to defend efficiently inside the paint, which is weird saying that like teams that don't defend the paint actually hurt the Duke offense. Like the worse you defend the paint, the better anyways. But this other thing got me when playing squads to have a defensive near proximity, which is the closest shot that has the metrics tracks when that defensive near proximity field goal percentage is greater than say 59% Duke performs above average 17% of the time. The way I interpreted that Michael is that when they face a team that allows near percent, like near proximity shots to fall at 59% or higher. Duke doesn't do that. Well, they're all, they only perform above average 17% of the time or average or below 83% of the time. Why I bring that up though is because Texas tech is first in the country in allowing the fewest near proximity shots mm. and first in the country and near proximity shooting percentage which you would think like if you get the ball down low, you, you've got a better shot at hitting. Not against Texas Tech. Even when you do get down low, when we give up the fewest shot attempts down low out of anybody, and I think Haslametrics has it as like three per game, right? Really? Okay. Or three per hundred possessions. Let me look it up real quick. Texas Tech only allows teams to convert 25% of those shots. So Duke getting downhill under the basket where they want to be Texas tech, their near percentage. What's it called? Percent of shots allowed that are near versus the average. Sorry. Yes. Sorry. Percent of shots allowed that are near proximity. First in the country at 25.2. And shooting proximity allowed first. So hang on. Sorry. It's not, it's not that Texas tech allows 25% shooting from under the basket. I I read that wrong. It is. They are first in the country and allowing fewest number of shots near the basket and the shooting proximity. It's, it, it was giving a, like a, a rank score of like, one shot of near proximity, two of mid range, three points for 
a, a long range or three point shot. And Texas Tech's defense and that that rank scale was over two. So most of the shots that Texas Tech was giving up was mid range and further out, which that we know right because yes. of all of the no middle defense and how few point paints we allow. The Duke owned Michigan State with points in the paint this weekend. Yeah, it what was, was like it? forty. Uh, I had I had that pulled up. Yeah, it's forty four. <laughs> had forty four points in the paint, and Michigan State uh, had twenty eight. So, again, unstoppable force, immovable object. That's where I see this game coming down to. If you're able to slow down Duke, sh- getting to the basket, and then you have to re- you know push their their offense back to mid range and beyond mid range. They're a lot better shooting team than they are at three 42% for mid range versus 36 at three. I think you would take your, your chances if you forced Duke to settle for three point shots. Well, that's kind of text MO just in general. Um, and that, that may be the plan, especially if, like you said, if uh, AJ Griffin's out, which you know you hate to be like, hey, if someone's injured, maybe we'll do better. But but you know he he could play. It's an ankle injury. There there was still some some talk that he might be back on Thursday. They don't really know, and even if they know, they're not going to tell anybody until they're warming up. Yeah, and we've seen guys go down with ankle injuries that come off for three or four minutes. Uh, Matt Matthew Mayer Meyer at Baylor. Mm. disgustingly rolled his ankle, ran off the court, went to the locker room, came back just a few minutes later, was back on the court for the rest of the game. Yeah. It's so hard to tell how bad it truly is. And so he could be back, but if he's not, I mean, then they're down a 45% three point shooter. Mm -hmm. And that's definitely, you know, you're probably already looking at that sort of defensive scheme anyway, is just, make them live and die by the three. You definitely would want to, if, if Griffin's not able to contribute. So that may be what we're looking at. I know that's kind of frustrating sometimes, especially when some random guys start hitting, but I mean, Duke only rotates eight guys for the most part. And if Griffin's down, they, I don't know. I don't know if they're going to go with seven or, you know, if they'll bring somebody up who has played a few more minutes for him over the year or, and, you know, have them come in. But I don't know. They may just drop the rotation down completely to seven and coach K may try to win with, with that few players, but I am I'm very concerned about this. I mean, seeing Bancaro, he's, he is so versatile. He's such a good ball handler. And at 6'10, 250, he's hard to slow down. Mm -hmm. Um, And he will, he plays hard. He's tough. I mean, he can drive from anywhere. He can shoot from anywhere. He can draw the double team when he gets in the lane and then dish it off to a seven, one center. I mean, you've got to be careful. I think there's going to be a couple of lobs that tech's going to miss and wish they had been paying a little bit more attention to because Mark Williams is going to just hide somewhere and then fly in from who knows where, wherever he wants, wherever he wants to jump from. And then he can, he can throw it in from there. Yeah. So a couple more things I wanted to, to highlight with this matchup with Duke. Um, one, uh, I, I'm looking at Haslametrics. I'm looking at the, the Duke defense. Haslametrics has them at 36th in terms of defense efficiency. They give up the fewest number of free throw attempts. 
I mean, they're really good at keeping you from getting in the lane and being aggressive. And then when you get there, they don't foul or at least they don't get called for fouls. No. And, and a lot of that I think is because they, they've got so much size. Well, and they're alter just, shots. I'm not trying to knock on them or make myself feel better, but a lot of times they're just out of position or no one well, comes to help. I mean, they just, yes. uh, sometimes those Michigan state layups, by the time they got to the basket, there was the only person around was the defender. They got past. So here's, here's where, where it gets a little strange. Um, is I don't know if I, I don't know the, the, the shot quality that they face throughout the year. They are almost dead last to your point, Michael dead last and number of field goal attempts defended or given up on defense. Mm. They give up 91 and a half field goal attempts on a hundred possessions. Meaning they also don't turn the teams over very much either. If you're allowing a team to shoot 91 and a half times on a hundred possessions, you're forcing a turnover 8% of the time. I kind of think they're, it's almost like uh, watching an NBA team. They're kind of relying on, oh, well, he got passed, fine, whatever, we'll score on the next possession. Yeah. And they, they have that ability to do that. I mean, they are that potent on the offensive side that they, that's worked for them pretty well, well this year. I mean, you know, they've won 30 mm-hmm. games <laughs> with that philosophy. And here's where the numbers don't make sense. Yes, they give up the th- their 356th most field goal attempts. Teams are only shoot like they're giving up 39% field goal percentage, which is good for 26th in the country. Mm. So they, they give up a ton of attempts, but the percentage is pretty low top or, 25 almost. Yeah. Yeah. They give up 200, the 212th most three point attempts. The teams are hitting just over 31% good for 61st in the country or 67th mid range 320, which I think you'd be okay with giving up a ton of mid range shots. Those are, you know, high difficulty, low reward shots, 320th, three 34% conversion. Uh, you know, they're hitting that they give up 32 near proximity shots per game or per, per hundred possessions, which is 289 87th. So yeah. again, to your point, more kind of like an NBA team, once they kind of get, once the offense gets a Duke defender out of position, they just kind of give up on the possession and live to play next. Like, okay, whatever. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I saw that they would get, they would try to switch. It seemed like they played man for the most part. They try to switch and they'd kind of get confused and, and not switch back. Or, I mean, there, there were just a, there were some obvious breakdowns where the people were just, they were just out of position. And I think tech will have to take advantage of that by driving. It will just be, I mean, give it to Bryson Williams, have him, you know, try to go against somebody. Terrence Shannon. Give it to Shannon. Give it, yeah, from the top of the key. Give it to McCuller, you know, arms. Warren. Let, let yeah. these guys work. I mean, let take take it to them and maybe even get them in some foul trouble. The other thing I, w- I want to talk about was how Haslametrics has been tracking their uh, their efficiency, right? In terms of monthly efficiency, they, Duke, were hottest in December, then hottest in February. March and beyond, March and April, in terms of Haslametrics efficiency, they are at their lowest point of the season. The only time they've had a negative efficiency of minus three and a half. 
Whereas Texas Tech is at their highest point uh-huh. of average efficiency, according to Haslametrics, at plus 10 and a half. Peaking at the right time, maybe, hopefully, please. <laughs> yeah, hopefully, please. Um, in terms of the matchup or how, how people are seeing this game go, um, at least according to uh, the betting lines, it was it opened up near a, a pick'em. Um, I've seen it as much as a point and a half in either direction. Uh, currently, right now, it's picked a Texas Tech... 70.28 to a Duke 68.61 victory for our Red Raiders. Did you, did you mention the spread just now? I, I was talking about, I, I've seen it anywhere between a point and a half in either direction. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's what I'm seeing according to action app that it opened at tech plus 0.5 and it's now currently tech at minus one. So yeah, to, to your point, same deal, but um, it's interesting that if that's true, then the money has shifted to where people were like tech plus point, you know, basically tech plus a half. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'll take that all day. And then, oh, well, okay. Tech minus one. Now I've got to think. All right. The other thing I want to ask you about, um, well, one, I mean, I, I, I think we both can, can both envision a scenario where tech tech wins this game or, or they lose this game. <laughs> right. Those are the two scenarios. Well, right. I like, I, it's not like you go in and you're super confident in either oh, direction. No. Like, Oh my gosh, well, like this is just a bad matchup. It's not going to go well. Like we're just gonna get steamrolled by cook coach K and his way out the door this season. And it's not like you're gonna be like, Duke's not gonna know what, what would hit him. What would you say is your key to the game for a Texas tech victory? Um, the key to the game. Oh, that's fun. If this one thing happens, Tex Tech has greater than, you know, whatever odds to win this one. I think if if you keep Bancaro below 10 points, if there's any way you can do that, um, which it's going to be a Herculean task because who knows, he might have 10 free throws the way the guy drives and is, is uh, aggressive. I think that's kind of where I would start is just doing what it takes to try to limit him as, as much as you possibly can. So I, I would go similarly. I wouldn't say a specific player under a certain number of points, but I would I would say if you can make this a Texas Tech game and not a Duke game, if you can take them out of their offense enough to where it's not feel like you were playing their style. I, I felt like we were doing that in the Kansas game in the Big 12 tournament, uh, in the Big 12 title game, title game. We kept up with them for the most part of the game, but we were playing the Kansas game. We weren't playing a Texas Tech game. I think if we can, if Texas Tech can do enough to keep the ball from flowing at will into Slow the lane, down the tempo, yeah, and then you know under the basket, force them back a little bit, make them settle for shots, make them take uncomfortable shots, take some time off the clock, and get them a little uncomfortable with how slow you can make things. Um, I think you you can. You feel pretty good about it. If you get in a in a race, if you're running after them or you're running with them, I don't think that lead lends itself to a Texas Tech victory. Now, having said that, Michael, because we won't record a preview before an Elite Eight game if Texas Tech makes one, is there an opponent in Gonzaga or Arkansas that you would rather face? 
I am not very up on Arkansas. Um, but I just personally, and, and this may be a, a terrible matchup because we already got to see it once, but I want this team to play Gonzaga again. Mm-hmm. I would like another shot at the Zags. Um, that was a really great game that they finished out the other night against Memphis. Uh, just came out of halftime and, you know, I've completely lose my brain on, uh, Oh, who's the guy? Timmy, Timmy, Timmy. Came through. He came through and was just unbelievable in the second half. It was really something to watch <laughs> to watch them just decide, you know what? Yeah, we're going to win this game. Um, so that's a team. It's more of just how good they are and how good they can be. I just want another shot at them. Arkansas. I hate to say it. I don't know hardly anything about them. Um, aside from they've, they've done pretty well. So, so Gonzaga would be my choice, but not because I think we match up well with them or anything, just because I want to play them again. I, I can understand that and, and feel like you want to take another shot at Gonzaga and you know, you faced them in the elite eight a couple of years ago on your way to the, the, the title game. And yes, I think on a short turnaround, maybe having, you know, playing a, a team that you've already seen this year would be an advantage. I think with all the times that Texas Tech has been matched up with Arkansas lately, I want to get back at them because they eliminated <laughs> Texas Tech in the tournament last year. Yes. I want to shot point. back at them and Musselman yeah. um, and just all the time. Like it just seems like baseball, baseball, football, you know, set several years ago basketball now i want a shot at arkansas i want to get them back and i i mean i I, again without having done any any research like we we did for duke tonight i don't know how well we would even match up with arkansas i i I want i want the razorbacks (laughs) okay so we talked about other games so far a little bit uh baylor did come back down 25 but ended up losing in overtime the saint peter's cinderella story continues as they defeated murray state Apparently Murray state hadn't lost a game in several months until they got knocked out of the tournament. Uh, wow. Arizona needed overtime to defeat ninth seed TCU. I didn't watch this game, but supposedly there was a controversial call or no call there at the end that aided Arizona in the games that you've watched, Michael, have there been officiating things that you've picked up on? Cause it's been weird. I, I I've seen, I've seen big 12 officials in games in, in big 12 where, where, where games that are big 12 team is participating, right? Like yes, Texas like tech. Higgins I've seen obviously been floating around big 12 games and sermon and uh, Kip Kissinger. Um, all those guys like that, you know, by name as a big 12 official that you probably shouldn't know their name, which is, yeah, I was about to say, that's never a good sign to, Oh, well, that's so-and-so because, uh, yeah, anyway, it's usually not a good sign to know an official's name. Which is interesting because I, there was a recent shakeup in the Big 12 football officiating crews. The one name that I can always think of is Reggie, and he's in the Big 10 now. Oh, wow. So, like, like the, the white hats in football, I couldn't tell you a single one of them that, that officiate for Big 12. Now, I, I know, like, recognize them. I can seem like, maybe I don't like them as much. Anyways, it one... It's, it's weird, at least for me, because it's like I do 
appreciate that they're letting things play out more on the court and they're not for most of the game, which is the sticking point that they're letting teams play until it gets to a certain point. Then it's like it tightens back up or loosens up completely. Like it's just, it's inconsistent, not even game to game, but from like minute to minute. Yeah. Well, I wouldn't, I wouldn't go to say I've seen anything specific, but, uh, I have been kind of impressed with how they have let them play. Um, but I've also been a little bit, it seems like they, they're going to the, they're reviewing a lot of things. And a yeah. lot of times I don't even know what they're reviewing or why, you know, why, why they went to the, the board for that. I mean, it's like 15 minutes left in the first half. Why are we checking to see who it was out of bounds on or, or are they talking about, trying to see what the shot clock was or what, I mean, it seemed like that's happening more mm-hmm. than it should. Um, you know, I guess the other big, uh, the other big thing would be to, we, we, we kind of touched on it earlier, but I wanted to get the actual number of it. Uh, let's see, where can I find it? Oh, this is terrible. I'm trying to see how many uh, free throws that Purdue shot against Texas. It was an just insane number. It was like okay. 40? 46. 46 free throws. Yeah, and Texas Tech shot 12. Or Texas Tech, my God. Now I'm like one of those announcers. Texas only shot 12. And yeah, Purdue that shot 46. That number, yeah, that 46 to 12 yeah. should say something. Having not watched except maybe five minutes of that first half of that game. I don't feel like I can really comment on it much, but that, but that seems off. Um, that seems especially, like a little bit of one sided, you know, especially knowing Chris beard and what, like understanding what he wants to do defensively is he wants to get down there and take blocks or sorry. He wants to take charges. Yeah. Which I get are going to be, there's a lot of turnovers efficient, like, you know, on the books, but, to only get 12 free throws in a game means they weren't getting even those calls. No, I mean, Texas got called for 29 fouls to produce 16. It, it was, it's just ugh, that, that one, that one doesn't, yeah. that one is the biggest thing that I've kind of seen, even though I didn't see it, if that makes any sense. It's just, I, I remember I just seen all the Texas fans, um, you know, moaning about it on Twitter. And I thought, Oh really? How bad was it? And then I started looking at that. Oh God. Yeah. Okay. Y'all may yeah. have a point. And the other, other two teams we've already kind of talked about Iowa state. They took care 11 seed. Iowa state took care of three seed Wisconsin. And then Miami. Good gravy. They took it down two seed Auburn by 18. Yeah. And I wanted to touch back on Iowa state. Wisconsin is one of the best, uh, you know, the best at maintaining possession of the ball all year. I think they averaged like eight or nine turnovers a game. And I think they had more than that in the first half against Iowa state or something like that. I mean, this, mm. that, that defense, cause Otz is completely, you, you know, I mean, that's why the games between those two schools have been pretty rough sometimes. Um, but, but yeah, they had, let's see. Where was it? They only shot the Badgers shot a season low 29.8% from the field, turned it over a season high 17 times 
and we're only two of 22 from three-point range. Sounds like a big Big 12 uh, defensive performance there. Yes, yes, it does. Um, You're exactly right. So, speaking of performances, if if anyone would care to join us on ColorCast, please do. We're live right now. We try to go live on every Tuesday at 9. That's when our normal recording is. It is a live audio-only talks uh, sports talk platform. It's free to download and to use. You can talk to me, other fans, athletes, and insiders in real time. It's perfect for watch parties, debates, post-game breakdowns, and reacting to breaking news. Um, all you need to do is download the ColorCast app free in the iOS app store, create a profile, link your Twitter, and join our group, which means you need to follow us at 23Personnel, and you'll be notified when we go live. Like I just said, we try to go live every Tuesday night about 9 o'clock Central, and then um, we plan on going live after the Sweet 16 game and Lord willing in the creek don't rise after the elite eight game on Saturday, we would go live on that one as well. So Spencer and I will be up and around at 11 o'clock Thursday night. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Whenever the game ends. So um, download color cast. You've got plenty of time to get it. Follow us at 23 personnel and come with your spiciest takes. We did have a couple of guys in here. They were, uh, they may have been Duke fans because as soon as we, we we moved off of the Duke preview, they, they they bounced out. But if you guys join in, obviously you can come up. You can talk to us. Very similar to like a Twitter Spaces. Um, we'll bring you up on stage with us. Co-cast. Give us your thoughts. Spiciest takes. Guys, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition especially during cold and flu season. That's right. We're talking about athletic greens. It's just one scoop in a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. To make it easy, athletic greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune, immune supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash sports drink. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash sports drink to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. All right, Michael, let's talk baseball. Yes, sir. Left field, well struck, Desloni. Picks it up on a bounce. He's racing for second throw. Out in second. Young lifts it to right field, looking for a second home. and some time because all the tools are there. Wow, this one launched deep left off the bat of Warren and into the bleachers. There he goes. And the pitch is driven straight deep to right. Kerstad to the wall. Off the top of the fence. Here comes the big zone. Cameron Warren's going to murder home from first. From the third is late. And the Red Raiders have reclaimed the lead. All right, Texas Tech returns home from a road trip to Iowa City, Iowa, where they took on the Hawkeyes. 
had a three-game series scheduled, ended up playing two games, a Friday afternoon game, as we mentioned. Late last week got canceled. You played, I mean, I assume you could have played a doubleheader on Saturday, but weather was much better. Saturday, you end up winning that game 11-3, to and you drop the Sunday game 3-6. to On Saturday, you started off the scoring with the Easton Morrell home run, bottom of the first, Sorry, top of the first. We were the the visiting team. On pitch number four, it was a 3-1 fastball. He just crushed to get the scoring going. Texas Tech put up two more runs in the third, three in the fourth, one in the sixth, four in the eighth. You kept Iowa from even sniffing a comeback here. Brandon Bertzel, your starting pitcher, got the win. Three and one now on the season. Did not strike out 16. This, this weekend or eight and two innings, but did go five innings, gave up five hits, did strike out nine though in those five innings, only two walks, two runs, but only one of those were earned. Andrew Morris and Kyle Robinson came in to combine for four innings and gave up three hits between the two of them and four strikeouts. Different story on Sunday, however, um, Iowa, well, sorry, Texas Tech got the scoring started in the second with a Ty Coleman home run. But then Iowa just ran away with it. They, they put up the tying run, the bottom of the third, then four more in the sixth. Texas Tech responded in the eighth, put up two to make it three to five. Iowa State put up one more in the eighth, three, six. And that's how the game ended. Mason Molina took the loss for the Red Raiders. He got the start, went five innings, gave up one hit, two runs. Only one of those were earned. Two walks to eight strikeouts. But man, that's that's brutal. They go five innings, give up one hit, but get the loss. Brendan Gurton, Derek Bridges, Brandon Beckel all came in in relief. They combined to give up four more hits and five runs and only two more strikeouts on the day. Um, offensively, you just you obviously weren't there. You, you got a home run, or you scored all three of your runs were on home runs. Ty Coleman had a solo home run in the second. Jace Young homered in the eighth and also scored Stillwell. But you had a bunch of guys. Easton Morrell uh, let off. He went 0 for 3. Cole Stillwell went 0 for 3 with a walk. Sorry. No, he, he, he reached base, but... Um, it wasn't a walk. Jace went two for four. Ty Coleman went one for four. Kurt Wilson over three. Owen Washburn one for four. Parker Kelly over three. Sam Hunt, my dude, oh for one. Hudson White oh for three. Who didn't get a little, little time at first base on Sunday? He's been uh, your regular catcher. Where Cole Stillwell uh, was playing catcher on Sunday. Um, so that game broke up your. I believe it was a seven game win streak at that point. One, two, three. Six games, yeah, seven game win streak. But then you come back home today. You face Cal Baptist. You get back on the winning side. Get another win streak started. Six to three. California Baptist started the 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 scoring first. Top of the third, they put up two runs. You answered. Um, th- those two runs though were back to back solo shots. Um, one was up into the into the the jet stream. As I say, Michael, it's a very blustery day here. Oh in gosh. Town. Oh, I didn't even think about, yeah, that's a great, 
that that is a hitter's wind that was blowing today. So interesting enough, one hit with the wind and it helped carry it out one hit into the wind Ooh. and still got it out. <laughs> um, but then Texas tech responds bottom of the third puts up two more of their own to tie it. Then three in the fourth, one in the sixth to go up six to two gave up one more run in the top of the ninth to finish the game. Chase Hampton was your starter and got the win today. Uh, went six full innings, which is kind of a lot for a Tim Tadlock pitcher. Gave up five hits, two earns, one walk, seven strikeouts. Josh Sanders came in for an inning and a third. Derek Bridges for two thirds. And then our man, Trendon Parrish, for the final inning where he gave up two hits and a run. And then struck out one. You struck out 10 batters on the day. Um, only struck out six when you were up to bat. You are hoping um, you get some offense going. You're, you take some of that from, you know, the game on Saturday and then today. Help see some pitches because you're welcoming in the Texas Longhorns this weekend, Michael. And they are ranked number two, although they are 17 and five on the season and you are 18 and four. Um, but they're coming in for a three game series, obviously to start the big 12 play Friday, six 30 Saturday at two Sunday at two. Uh, hopefully the weather is a little bit better this weekend. They are, um, sorry, I, I'm, I'm looking at the wrong thing. I'm looking at their, their batting average. From what I remember, it is ridiculous. They are, 40th. Never mind. They're not, not as high as I was expecting them to be. Um, but as a team, they're batting 303, um, which is ridiculous. They're the leader in the country right now is Oregon and they're 343. So not too far behind uh, in that category. But Texas, I mean, they seemingly have it all. They've got bats. They've got pitching. They've got defense. Obviously, why they were projected and have re- remained up at the top of the, the rankings. Texas Tech moved up to 16th this week after this weekend uh, and last week's play, but you're taking on number two, Texas. Um, the uh, the baseball experts in our Slack chat, Michael, are not very high on our chances this weekend. Well, I mean, I, I kind of get it because I was trying to to come up with some good things. You know, Tech... Texas had that two and I think it was two and five stretch. You know, they lost to UCLA and they lost a couple to South Carolina and a couple other people. So it didn't look too great for them, including three in a row, uh, two to South Carolina and then one to, I forgot who it was college of Charleston. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we covered that last week. Well, since then, man, they've gone, um, five and oh, and they've outscored teams a combined 66 to 10. So, um, yeah, I think they're back on track now. It seems like they're ready. Uh, of course, you know, those teams, one was the Citadel. They won 18 to four. And then they had a series against Incarnate Word where they won 19 to 10 to 12, nothing. And then tonight they played Central Arkansas and won seven to two. So I, I, th- I think they've kind of cleared whatever that funk was out of their system before heading to Lubbock. So this is going to be, um, it's going to be a tough series for Tech, and we'll we'll just kind of see 
how good both of these teams are really, I think, in the, in the next three games. Yeah, they, they do lead uh, over Texas Tech uh, in average and uh, in home runs and that kind of stuff, but Texas Tech does is number one in the, in the conference and runs scored. Texas Tech has scored 202 runs and 21 games, good for 9.6 runs per game, where Texas is down. They've scored 177 runs and 22 games, good for 8 per game. Now, looking at all these team stats, there's a team that is consistent across basically all these team statistics. It's Tennessee, man. I Oh, Rocky Top. Yeah, so my mom, my mom's a volunteer. Um but they are both unbelievably talented offensively and also on the mound one they've got a guy obviously i think a lot of people are hearing about they're seeing it that, that throws 104 miles per hour um what? <laughs> that was that was a story that came out today he's a reliever it's been hitting 100 pretty regularly but one of the recent games he was clocked at 104 um as a team team run average era 1.87 the team in terms of all the pitching of all the games all the runs they give up and 178 innings pitched They've given up 46 runs. Only 37 of them were earned. Like I said, good for 1.87. Texas is eighth in the country in that metric at 2.66. Scroll down a little bit. Let me see if I can find Texas Tech. There they are, 3.95. So not too shabby. Um, good for 50th in the country. But again, like I said, you're, you're taking on a team that's, that's, half. <laughs> that's got... Uh, Got a little bit of everything. So the other UT out in Tennessee, out in Knoxville, um, you know, you're not playing them, but certainly Texas Tech has their work cut out this weekend. Um, following that, you do have a two-game series next week, Tuesday, Wednesday, against Stephen F. Austin, Tuesday night, 6.30, Wednesday afternoon at 1. And then getting you ready for next weekend on the road in Lawrence versus the Jayhawks. All right. Um, Michael, before we get to what we learned, I did want to remind everybody, take this opportunity really quickly to let you know that today's episode of the 23 personnel is brought to you by sports drink, your digital water cooler. Sports Drink is the newly created internet community that tries to find the intersection of sports and not sports. They're here to help us grow, to hate on your favorite team. Rising time lists all boats, so go check them out online or on social. Go to sportsdrink.org. Open Instagram and type in at sportsdrink, spelled like sports drink, but without the vowels. All we ask is that you close the door behind you. We're trying not to let the funk out. All right. Let's wrap this up, Michael, with what we learned. What did we learn, Palmer? I don't know, sir. I don't know either. I did want to take a quick moment and give a little league update. We had our first game last night, Monday night. Before, like it was in this, we had this window of opportunity, Michael. I don't know the weather. If you the remember? Weather, tell me about the weather. It had to have been so bad. Well, so we in the afternoon one, it, it was super windy and, and kind of chilly. Um, as this cold front was blowing in the storm, like there was a little bit of rain early in the afternoon, but the, the storm was moving North. Um, so once it got through Lubbock, we're like, look, there it goes right before game time. Sun came out. We were getting warm. Like, wow, this is going to be nice. 
20, 30 minutes later, the wind flips around, blowing dirt back in. It drops like 25 degrees. It started in the 60s. We ended up in the 40s. They did end up canceling the second round of games, but we were first, which I complained about. Complained that we had to go first, but... Yes, you did. My little Braves, man, they took care of business 10 to 2. Super excited. Um, I'm trying to... like We'll have practice on Thursday once we get out of this cold weather, and we play again on Friday. Grayson got super excited. I was like, okay, let's remember, not every team's going to be like the team we just played. We got to, you know, obviously we have things to work on. So this year I'm, I'm, I'm our first base coach, which, you know, I tell runners when to stop at first, when to go to second. It worked out ultimately because of the team and their, their skill level. But I told several runners to stop at first Mm. that kept going. who eventually scored whether it was on that play or one that was, you know, subsequent play, but there were, there were a lot of guys that ran through my stops at, at, at first base. It's like, no, you can stop here. And they just kept on trucking. I was like, all right, we got to work on that. Um, but yeah, man, it was, it was ultimately it was, what it was, got 10 to two. It was a good first game. Um, well, so interesting. So we, we were last up to bat as time was expiring. Our first is our leadoff batter. We were like reminding the kids, hey, like when you get up there, you're going to listen to Coach Spencer. He's going to tell you what to do. And he's like, but what if I hit a home run? Dude knocks a home run on his first pitch. Mm. <laughs> it's like, whatever, dude. He's talked about hitting a home run, then he goes and does it. Um, and, and not like a literal home run over the fence. These, these kids aren't strong enough to do that just yet. But basically, once you hit it behind the outfield, like the outfielders, they're, they're gone. Um, but like he smoked a ball. It, it, got, it got through people. It got through the defense pretty quickly anyways we won 10-2 we got a game on friday um hopefully we can shore up our our, our defensive woes grayson was playing catcher which was his not 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 his first time doing it but uh first time for us obviously with the first game but interestingly and and kind of sucky for him there were three i believe balls that the the batter just smoked right into the the home plate bounced and like rolled two inches in front of home plate. Like dude, nobody else is here, but you, that's all, that's all on you. Um, he made two plays. One of them, I think on the first one, he picked it up, fired a rocket to first base would have gotten the runner out, but our first baseman dropped it. Um, uh. cause it's, it's, it's a weird, it's a hard angle. Um, so it was a good throw. First baseman didn't have great position to, to, to see it. Second time. He, <laughs> It, it's fine because because kids are kids, dude. Air mails into right field. <laughs> I was like, oh man. Uh, and, and there was a third time where he, he just he held it, but we because by the time he got to it, there was too far. I was like, no, let's, let's just stop the play and minimize the damage. So little Braves are one and zero on this season. I did see. I don't know if you, if you, you caught up on this. Gambling Gauchos uh, sponsored a little league team. It wasn't us. I did not so, see that. I believe it's Rob's younger brother's team. The Dodgers out there at Western Little League, but hey man, just letting you know, we had the opportunity for a gambling gaucho sponsorship for the Cooper Braves, but he didn't want it. So. Hey, just so you know, there is a 23 personnel team running in the Yano Estacado 5K in two oh. weeks. So if, if anyone wants to be involved with the, it's myself, my wife, uh, my brother-in-law, a family friend, and his wife. There's just like, it was my wife's idea. To just like, why don't well, if if we have a team, we can 
we save some money on the entries and stuff. And she's like, well, why don't we just name it after your podcast? And I thought, okay. So there's a 23 personnel team. If anyone likes to join it, I can send you the link and I don't, you won't, you might get something. I don't remember what, I don't remember how it works. My wife's been handling it all, but we'll be representing in some way, shape or form on Saturday, April 2nd, I believe I'm running my first 5k. I don't know how it's going to go. I just hope I finish. You got it, man. Yeah, I know. Maybe. Oh, speaking of team updates, my, my little five-year-old, she had her first soccer game on Saturday and I was out of town, but according to my wife, the score was approximately eight to three in favor of the queen bees. So very excited about the queen bee season and one of our best players wasn't even there. Oh, wow. Because it was spring break, of course. So I'm not sure. You know, the Saturday after spring break, didn't know how many people were going to be there, but apparently there was enough to play. Well, there you go, man. Um, so, yeah, we're, we're excited about uh, spring sports. You did, um, you were on the road, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, well, yeah, here's what I learned. I learned that... And this is just a thing that we all know and we all take for granted, but I just kind of want to bring it back up into everyone's forefront. What did we do on long road trips before audiobooks and podcasts and satellite radio and that kind of stuff? Like I drove to the Hill Country. I went to a concert with with uh, my friend Adam. Shout out to the Ace Man. And we, we got to go see Jason Isbell at Willie Nelson's Luck Ranch which is a really cool place to see a concert, but there's also only one way in and one way out kind of a, that's kind of a problem. So it took two <laughs> hours to or it took an hour. It took an hour from leaving the stage until we were on a road where we could go above, you know, 50. But anyway, um, just that road trips pretty far from here, but man, I listened to an audiobook, a free one from the library and I signed up for serious, XM radio solely so I, I could listen to the tech game while I was driving down on Friday. And because they gave me three months for a dollar because they're crazy and I'm going to cancel it in 89 days <laughs> or whatever. Um, but I just, it's just crazy that the whole time I was there, I was just enthralled in this audio book. I got to listen to the tech game. The score is showing up on my radio. I mean, just, all the technology we have available to us to make a drive go by like that is, and I like driving. I mean, I, I like listening to music too, but man, there's just something different about getting pulled into a, a podcast or something like that. And you don't have to, I, I know our audiobooks weren't as, as popular before because they were just so cumbersome. You had to have a five disc. Mm-hmm box that you bought for $60 at flying J and you know, people are like, I'm not, who's going to do that. I'm not going to do that. And go to the audiobook section at Hastings back in the day. And if you saw one for $23, it was a steal, but like, yeah, I'm not going to buy that. Cause then you've got this gigantic set of CDs. <laughs> <clears throat> anyway, just, that's what I learned. I learned something we all know that we probably don't appreciate as often as we should. But, but those of us who grew up the old way every now and then have those epiphanies where are like, yeah, this is better than an eight cassette, you know, way to listen to, uh, 
Lonesome Dove or whatever, <laughs> whatever it would have taken mm-hmm. to read Lonesome Dove on cassette. I think that would have probably um, worn out your cassette player. It probably would have started smoking at some point. That's all I got. That's what I learned, man. And go Queen Bees. Go Queen Bees. Go Braves. Always go Braves. and forever. All right, that'll do it for us this week on the 23 Personnel Podcast. We'll be back on Thursday to give our instant reaction to the Sweet 16 matchup between Texas Tech and Duke, and hopefully more to come after that. For Michael, I'm Spencer. We'll catch you guys next time. Thank you for listening to the 23 Personnel Podcast and sharing our fandom for the Texas Tech Red Raiders. You can connect with us on Twitter at 23Personnel, Spencer at PuntSuck, and Michael at Michael underscore LBK. And find even more great content over on stakingtheplanes.com. Help us out by rating the show and leaving a review on iTunes and subscribe on whatever channel you listen to podcasts. Remember to tell your friends about the show. The guys will be back next week with another episode. And until then, guns up and let the tortillas fly.